Welcome to another episode of Strength for Today with your host here, Eric Dykstra. And I'm excited as we close out this week and what we get to explore together today. And I hope you discover some things that are going to add value to your life and give you strength for the days ahead. And even in today, uh, hope for today and, and hope for tomorrow, because I believe the Lord is doing such an incredible work in our hearts and in our lives and believe with what he's put in my heart to share today that you'll be able to connect with it and find strength for your own life. So we've been through several weeks of looking into the life of Paul, and he's a fascinating character in the Bible and a person that had such a radical encounter with Jesus himself. And we looked at the roles that other people had in shaping him and empowering him to go out and spread the good news of the gospel. People like Ananias and Barnabas and Stephen. And so, and even the other disciples, they had such a huge, significant role in the life of Paul. And today we're going to look at one of my favorite passages of Paul's in Philippians chapter three, along with just a few other statements he makes in the letter to the Galatians and also to the Ephesian church. So let's just dive right in today. And for so many of us, uh, we've looked at what it means to, to kind of overcome our past and to move into the new identity and the new creation that Jesus makes us once we are reborn and give our lives to him. And one of the things that we're going to look at today is how Paul really shaped and formed this new life in uh, in Christ and how it's really Christ is his foundation, but Christ has to be our ultimate foundation and we can't build foundations apart from the foundation, which is Christ and accepting, believing, trusting and living from that relationship with Christ and surrendering our hearts to him. One of the things that I love doing is spending time with new believers who have recently just put their faith in him. And recently, over the last several weeks, I've gotten to know a young man at our church that has really uh, had just an incredible um, time of coming to Christ and learning this new kingdom and new kingdom lifestyle that the word and scripture teaches us about and through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And as I've met with them several times, I'm just always encouraged and excited as I come away with hearing the different perspectives that he's seeing in the world, uh, his different ways of thinking about things, the, the, cho the choices he's making, how to steward his resources. And it's just something that's really refreshing that for so many of us who have had our faith in Christ for a long period of time, we can kind of lose that lens of everything becoming new and fresh and vibrant and uh, we can become complacent and we can get stuck in certain places and not know where to go. And in those times, I love just hearing the, the new uh, perspectives and the mindsets of people that are learning to be led by his spirit and to live a life of faith. And so I've just been so encouraged over the past several weeks by this young man. And really, if we think of the life of Paul, that's what he had to do as well. We've looked at several of his passages where he talks about being, you know, he, what he once was. And I'm sure we can imagine how difficult there might've been at days to understand that he was made new and that he was a chosen instrument and a chosen child of God 
to carry a message into the world that uh, we, we wouldn't have necessarily saw coming. We wouldn't have expected it to come from a guy who once persecuted Christians in the early church. But what encourages me is that the profound impact of one encounter with Jesus can have and when our lives are uh, founded on God's grace and its mercy and his love, what it's capable of producing in us. Because what you see in the fruit of Paul's life is so incredible and it has reached generations and will continue to reach into future generations today because many of the words that Paul spoke were inspired through the breath of the Holy Spirit in his heart and they are eternal and they have eternal and it has eternal significance for us and for our lives. And so I just want you to be encouraged by that today regardless of how much you might be fighting your past, uh, what I'm hoping that we can do is to learn to live present with the Lord, with the hope of our tomorrow, with the hope of our future that only he can provide. And what we're going to dive into right now is Philippians chapter three. And this is, again, one of Paul's, I believe, greatest statements that kind of summarizes the overall eternal perspective that he had. And I love how Philippians chapter three starts. And he just says, my beloved ones, don't ever limit your joy or fail to rejoice in the wonderful experience of knowing our Lord Jesus. So he's calling them beloved ones. There's a deep sense of compassion that Paul feels for these people. And he says, don't ever lose uh, the ability to rejoice in the wonderful experience. This isn't just information that Paul's giving them, but he, his greatest desire along with the Lord's is that we experience him because we can't get the truth of, of, of who God is and God's very truth in us without encountering it through the person of Jesus. And so it requires a lifestyle of interaction with him and developing those interactive moments on a daily basis uh, with all of our lives and coming to him with all of our um, at all of our stuff so but rejoice it means to find joy again in the lord jesus christ himself and he says i don't remind repeating what i've already written to you because it protects you and now think about that language this is the passion that i'm reading but i love how it says I don't mind repeating these things because it protects you. And we've got to understand when we come to the word of God, when we understand the nature of God, he is a protector of his people. And he has given us a free will to make our own choices. And those choices have consequences. And when we put our faith in Christ, we're entering into a new covenant where our desires and our delight is to really become like him. And we understand that all throughout scripture, God's intention and desire is to protect his people. But yet if we're making choices that go outside the boundaries and the pathways that God's created for us to live in, we can learn real fast that there are severe consequences, not only for our lives, but for the lives around us and in the relationships that we find ourselves in. And this was the case with Paul. He says, that they that that everything that I'm writing serves to protect you. And one of the terms that I've heard in some of the circles that I run in 
is really what transformation comes down to is the ability to move from a predator lifestyle and a predator mindset, which I'll get into in season two here, but one that is really consumed with yourself from the flesh and moving into a protector mindset and a protector mentality. Uh, as we saw in Philippians chapter two, Paul says, as Christ is our ultimate example, that we wouldn't think of ourselves too highly, he says in Romans, but we're putting ourselves before people and we're serving them. Just as it said in Mark 10, 45, that Jesus didn't come to serve, or I mean, to be served, but to serve other people. And he demonstrated that throughout his life. And that's really what Paul is moving from, is he was a predator. He was one that was out to eliminate uh, Christ and to eliminate those who put their faith in him because he thought what he knew was right and significant. And so now he's moving into a protector mindset and mo mentality of wanting to see the provision and the favor and the permission and the freedom that only comes in Christ to be ignited and um, to serve as a catalyst into new relationships that are forming with Christ. That was the world that Paul now moved from, from predator to protector. And in verse four, he says this, that it's true that I once relied on all that I had become. I had a reason to boast and impress people with my accomplishments, but more than others, for my pedigree was impeccable. So Paul knew what he once was, and he was one of the elite in society. He was smart. He was probably charismatic. He was a leader, and he probably had a lot going for him. And he's now weighing what he once was in light of who he now is. And he's learned to live in this new identity that has been created in Christ. Listen to what he says and how he describes himself. He says, I was born a true Hebrew of the heritage of Israel as the son of a Jewish man from the tribe of Benjamin. And I was circumcised eight days after my birth and was raised in the strict tradition of Orthodox Judaism, living a separated and devout life as a Pharisee. And concerning the righteousness of the Torah, no one surpassed me. I was without a peer. Furthermore, as a fiery defender of the truth, I persecuted the messianic believers with religious zeal. So he's making known to us again what he once was. And he said, I was really one of the elite. No one surpassed the, acknowledge, um, the knowledge and the teaching that Paul held in his heart. And he said, I even persecuted those who put their faith in Christ. So now Paul being called to the Gentile people, which were a people that didn't know uh, that Ju the Judaism traditions um, and what the Messianic believers, the Christians in that time, uh, actually believed in why they followed Jesus the way that they did. So here's Paul being sent to those with a great education, but even greater is a greater revelation and experience of God himself. The, the encounter at the road to Damascus and the grace that is overflowing in his heart now. And that's the gift that he's bringing into the world. And then right after those statements, Paul says this, and these are some of my favorite verses that you'll read. He says, yet all the accomplishments that I once took credit for, I've now forsaken them. And I regard it all as nothing compared to the delight of experiencing Jesus Christ as my Lord. So everything that he had accomplished in the world, and that he was about in terms of 
what he lived for now had changed. And he says, the one thing that truly matters is knowing Jesus Christ. And that has been my heart for, I would say, from that very moment back in episode two, I shared about at camp when I gave my life to Christ, is that there was an expansion that beginning to happen, that began to happen that day of Christ becoming more of a priority and wanting to be more like him and doing the things that, um, God would be doing in the world, but yet it's an honor and a privilege that God works in us and through us and partners with us in relationship. And that's a great statement for us to kind of have a banner over our lives of is that there's nothing else more important than the experience of knowing Jesus Christ. And I love when you amplified, it says a progressive intimacy or knowledge with the Lord Jesus Christ. So our salvation is a process and there's a progression that happens. And the thing that I love about the Lord is that you can't plummet the depths of who he is and all that he knows and all that he's created. It's infinite. And so I know tomorrow I can discover something new about who Jesus is because he's so expansive and he's of the spirit and the spirit is much more powerful than our flesh. And now we are learning to live according to the spirit. And so when we're living from that place, it's like we're constantly expanding and learning and growing. And that's why I love the parable of the new wineskin is because we've always got to be preparing our heart for the new growth, for the new thing that God is doing in us. And God's desire isn't for us to remain where we're at and to become stuck, but then he helps us to grow. I just get an image of a snake that's kind of shedding its skin. And, you know, the reason that they shed that skin is so that they can grow and expand. And that's a great image of what the Lord is doing in us is shedding the old and living into the new. And I believe that's a word for someone's heart that they needed to hear today. And then he goes on to say, to truly know him meant letting go of everything from my past and throwing all my boasting on the garbage heap. It's all like a pile of manure to me now so that I may be enriched in the reality of knowing Jesus Christ and embrace him as Lord in all of his greatness. And I love that statement that Paul makes is that he is enriched. He, he's thrown everything else away. And he says, the one thing I'm pursuing is Jesus. And it enriches my life. And we've seen that over the course of several passages that Paul has talked about. And I just want you to get a picture of embracing Jesus and what that looks like for you. Maybe hit the pause button and just take it in of what does it look like for you to really embrace the Lord in your quiet time, in your worship, in your devotion of reading his word, in the way you interact in relationships. But as you get empowered and strengthened by just embracing Jesus, let it fill you up to overflowing. And then he says in verse nine, he says, my passion is to be consumed with him and not clinging to my own righteousness based on keeping the written law, but my righteousness will be his based on the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, the very righteousness that comes from God. And I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus more fully and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. I will be the one with him 
or I will be one with him in his suffering. And that's, those are loaded verses there, but his passion is to be consumed with him, not clinging to anything of his own strength, but saying that my righteousness, the righteousness of who Jesus was because he was perfect, now is imputed and imparted to us. And now we just have to discover Christ within us. And as we do that, he empowers us to live and to be and to go about our day um, seeking first the kingdom of God. As it says in Matthew 6, 33, it says, seek first his kingdom and all these other and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So we must make that our priority is to seek his righteousness and his kingdom. And Paul said, that's where my strength is. It's Christ's righteousness in me. And when we live from that place, it gives us a sense of confidence, of boldness, of courage, of being vulnerable, and really living a humble life. And I recently heard this statement about humility, is that humility is knowing who I am with Christ and knowing what I'm not without Christ. Because see, before we have Christ in our life, we know what we once were. Paul knew who he was. And that can be a humbling thing to see the contrast and the difference. It should be like day and night. This is what I once was, but now you have a sense of humility because you see yourself through the eyes of how God sees you. And that's through his son, Jesus Christ. And now you get to live from that place of being a son or a daughter in Christ. So let that be an encouragement to you is that it builds a humility in us to build our lives on Jesus Christ and Christ alone. And then he says, because of Christ's faithfulness, we are made righteous. And he says, I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus. I pray that in your heart today, that that longing, that hunger would be stirred and that you begin to thirst after the things of God that living water would flow and bubble from your heart because you're so full of the Holy Spirit today. He says that I'll experience the power of his resurrection through the uh, being one in his suffering. So suffering, again, produces this place of identity and character development and integrity uh, that, that is often formed within us, is that we've got to be part of Christ and how he suffered in the world and having this mindset that you can be uh, joyful. Uh, someone's glad to be with you in your pain or in your suffering. And that person is Jesus. Verse 11, he says, only then will I be able to experience complete oneness with him in his resurrection from the realm of death. And then the next few verses, I love how he goes on to say these things. He says, I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing, but I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. And I love that, that Paul's saying, I know there's more to discover. and I know I haven't obtained everything, but he says, I run with passion into his abundance. God has everything that we need, and it just lies ahead if we're willing to run. 
we're living in an urgent hour. And for some of us, maybe we don't have that strength. But going back to Isaiah 40, which has been foundational for this first season, it says that he'll give strength to the weary. And when you run, you will not grow tired. So allowing Jesus to be the one pursuit of our heart re-energizes us and it refreshes us in every moment so that we're not the ones becoming weary. But I've made a commitment in my life is that I want to make the enemy and all of his cohorts that are uh, causing people to live in bondage and to, to not experience freedom and their identity, I want to make the enemy weary and tired because of the constant refreshing and the life-giving spirit, the spirit of resurrection. Remember Jesus said in John that he is the resurrection and the life and the way, the truth. And so all those things are now a part of who he is inside of us. So may you experience his resurrection power today. And then he says, I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this, however, but I do have one thing. I have one compelling focus. I forget all that is in the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. That's a big part of what I started this episode off with, is forgetting what lies behind. And I don't want you to hear that we can just forget and move on but allowing the Lord to walk with us. And I shared this past week and the week before in different parts of my story where I've had to be intentional and responsible with the choices that I've made in my life. And when we're intentional, we give God the space he needs to come into those dark and deep and hurt areas internally within ourselves and giving the Lord the, the place to be our healer, to be our counselor, to be our source of wisdom. And if we're not willing to make that space, we're going to remain stuck in those places of our old nature and what we once were. But today you get to move forward with the Lord and allow him to heal and to restore and to help you recover your sense of worth and identity back. And so he says, I look forward to what is ahead, and I'm not letting the past begin to define my present reality and my present identity. And he says, I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. So let all who are fully mature have this same passion. If anyone is not yet gripped by these desires, God will reveal it to them and let us all advance together to reach this victory prize following one path with one passion. Those are great words that really sum up the entire core being of who Paul had become. I want to encourage you today, and we're going to get into this in season two, but very practical ways of developing a secure, safe connection with the heart of the Father that we see revealed in Scripture, all the people that we've talked about so far and in the days ahead, we've seen this process and this development that happens within our heart and within our thinking that first starts with being able to connect with God and understanding who He really is that he's for us, that he's good, that he gives his love and his grace. And his greatest desire is to bring healing 
in restoration and to reconcile you back to his, himself. And he wants you to know his heart, that he's a good father. I've been so encouraged by a lot of the current worship songs that are coming out. And they're starting to pick up on this theme of God being a good father and the goodness of God and how it impacts us and how it leads us into a place of repentance, moving away from and turning away from who we once were and turning towards what we have now become. I recently heard a story that I would love to share with you from Max Lucado. And it was a story from his own life that he shared in one of his books. And he was a guy that grew up in the Midwest and he had moved, in, he had moved down to uh, Florida. And I believed he lived along the Miami River. And he said that he had bought a houseboat. And in some of the first months that he was living there, uh, there was one of these hurricanes. Uh, it was prime hurricane season and there was a hurricane that was coming into the shore. And so he began to try to research what he needed to do to protect his home, which was now this boat, because he wasn't experienced and just like me. And for probably many of you who are listening, if you grew up in the Midwest, you don't really know how to prepare yourself for these storms and being out on the water and what needs to be done. And so there was one day he just decided to go to the, one of the stores and he bought all this rope. And he just thought the best thing that I can do is to probably get all this rope and to tie my boat to all these secure and movable objects that are on land. And it's going to keep my boat from actually being destroyed by the storm. And after a couple of days of doing this and, and tying all these things to the immovable structures, there was one guy he noticed that had been there every day, just kind of watching him. And he kind of noticed his nonverbal gestures of smiling and smirking. And so one day Max got the um, courage to go up and talk to this guy. And he said, hey, I've noticed that you've been watching me here. You know, what, do you have any kind of insight or wisdom or, you know, can you give me any kind of feedback and how I'm preparing for this storm? And the guy just kind of smiled and he said, you're going to ruin your boat. And Max looked at him and said, what, what was that? I beg your pardon. And the guy said, you're going to ruin your boat because you're tying everything off to immovable objects. And when that wind comes and your boat starts to move, that tension is going to pull on the ropes and it's just going to rip your boat apart. And that's not what you need to do. And so Max looks at him and he says, well, what do I need to do then? And the guy looks him square in the eye. He says, you need to take your boat out deep into the water and you need to drop your anchor because what that's gonna allow it to do is that it's gonna allow the movement of the water, the boat to synchronize with the movements of the water and it's gonna give it the, the flex and the flux that it needs and your boat's not gonna be ripped apart. And I love that story and it was an illustration to me to know what it means to have our foundation in Christ. And I wanna encourage you as I close this week and as I close uh, from a place in Ephesians chapter four, Paul talked about this, that our one foundation and cornerstone is in Jesus Christ. And in times where our lives get turbulent and in times where um, the storms of life can overwhelm us, we need to drop our anchor and be still and allow the word of God and allow God himself to be our strength. And when you set your anchor down, 
there's going to be a leading of the spirit that begins to happen that is going to synchronize your life to his movements and the storms will no longer overwhelm you and you don't have to depend on the strength of other objects or your own strength but anchoring yourself in christ is going to be the strength christ is the anchor and you are immovable when he is your anchor you have a foundation that you can build the rest of your life on. And the other thing I love that this story illustrates for us is simply this, that there are gonna be times in life where we have to unlearn some things. Maybe things that we've thought we were supposed to do as Christians, that we learned uh, that's more of a tradition than, than what we actually see in scripture. And just like Paul, he had to unlearn a lot of what he knew and had grown up in and be reinvented, remade. And that's what we have to do in times uh, of life when it gets overwhelming is we have to be humble and we have to allow God to be able to uh, grant us access to move and to relearn things and to see him in a new and a fresh way. Because so many of us try to anchor ourselves into worldly things that really can't provide a sense of strength and when we do anchor ourselves into these false hopes, it begins to tear us apart on the inside. In our heart, it's disjointed with our mind and we're not able to see things and we're not able to receive love and we're not able to give love. And what happens to our heart is as we're being torn apart is our heart gets calloused and it gets soft and it's not moldable anymore. And I believe more than anything that God wants to be present with you today and give you a new spirit, a new heart. And if your heart is callous, just put your hands up and surrender and trust the Lord's goodness and his kindness because a foundational piece of being in Christ, if you go back to Paul's writings in Galatians 2.20, it says, for it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And that's the mindset and mentality that we need to anchor our lives in, that it's Christ in me is the hope of glory. And in Galatians 5.22, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And when your foundation, when your anchor is Christ, you don't have to produce the fruit that it talks about in Galatians 5.22 and, and perform uh, to, to be peaceful, to be patient, to be kind, to be gentle, to be self-controlled, to be loving, to be joyful. Those are things that are already in you because your foundation and anchor is Christ and your life will produce that fruit because it's who God is. And when your foundation is him, then his fruit, that's why it's called the fruit of your spirit. It can only be grown and cultivated within your spirit, which is the habitation of where God dwells internally within us. So be encouraged by that today. And I want to close this episode by just reading Ephesians chapter four. And, and I want to read a couple of lyrics from a couple songs that have been ministering to my heart recently. Ephesians four, verse 13, Paul talks about five gifts of grace that are imparted to us as new covenant believers. He talks about the prophet, the apostle, the evangelist, the teacher, the pastor, I've mentioned it before. These are the five characteristics of God's very nature himself. And when we take on this foundation of being in Christ, and Christ is our cornerstone, we begin to walk in and receive the graces that are given 
through this fivefold uh, grace that is talked about here in Ephesians 4. And in verse 13, he says, these grace ministries will function until we all attain oneness in the faith, until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God and finally become one perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed in the abundance of Christ. If that's not a summation of what we've been talking about in season one, then I don't know what is. But to become one perfect man in Christ until we experience the fullness of Christ, the full dimensions of spiritual maturity in a fully developed relationship in the abundance of Christ. And then in verse 15, he says, but instead we remain strong and always sincere in our love as we express the truth. All of our direction and ministries will flow from Christ and lead us deeper into him. Guys, he is our head. He is the head of the body. And he says, all ministries, all sense of our being flow from the person of Jesus. And we grow deeper into him as we come into this realization. That's good news. And I just want to close over you. And I wish that I could sing this over you, uh, that I was musically inclined, because these are two of my favorite songs. And for a lot of times in days where I feel overwhelmed or I need strength is I'll just find songs that minister to my heart and I'll just begin to cry them out and to sing these choruses and let them be my praise, my offering, my gratitude, my sacrifice back to the Lord for all that he has done for me. Recently, I was driving in the car and I heard this song, Glorious Day. Uh, it's by Passion, but it's a song that's been around for a while. And I just want to read these lyrics over you. And maybe take time after this to just go and listen to these two songs. But these were the words. It says, I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb until I met you. I was breathing, but not alive. All my failures I tried to hide. It was my tomb until I met you. You called my name. Then I ran out of that grave, out of the darkness, into your glorious day. If you've been struggling with your past, I want you to know today that God sees you through the eyes of his son with so much love and compassion and mercy. And he's drawing you in and he's waiting for you to embrace him because he's already embracing you. The song talks about what he was until the day I met Jesus, just like Paul. His day was new, and he's running into glorious light. I want you to hear Jesus calling your name and just listen to the way he says your name. And imagine yourself running out of the grave of your old self and your old identity into marvelous light, just like Lazarus being called up. You've been given new life, a new spirit, a new future in destiny in the person of Jesus Christ. It says, and I ran out of that grave, out of the darkness, into your glorious day. Now your mercy has saved my soul. Now your freedom is all that I know. The old made new. Jesus, when I met you, whoa, what a day.
again, I wish I could sing that for you, but go listen to it and let it minister and let that be the cry of your heart running out of the grave, running into his light. The old made new, you are new today. And I'll end with this, the song Cornerstone by Hillsong. It's one of my all-time favorite songs. But listen to these words. It says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, he is Lord, Lord of all. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the, whelming, in the overwhelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. And I get teary-eyed just thinking about this song because it moves my soul and my spirit so much. And I believe this would have been the cry from Paul's heart, the cry of Jesus' heart for us today, that our hope is built on Jesus and nothing less. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. I rest on his unchanging grace and in every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil, Christ alone, cornerstone. Father, as we close this week, my heart's desire and cry is that we would meet with you and that you would become the one true cornerstone, the foundational piece in our lives that makes us immovable, that makes us unshakable, and in times where people are feeling overwhelmed that you would rise up within and that we would get an image of seeing the new creation that you've created us in us. Help us to see ourselves the way that you do so that we can come to love ourselves and to love you the way that you originally designed us to and ultimately placing within us a soft, humble heart that would begin to love the world around us when it's filled with hatred, division, in bitterness and offense. May we be the love, the joy, the gentleness, the self-control, the kindness, the peace that the world is longing for, but help us to be builders on the one true foundation, and that is you alone. May you be strengthened today, and may your hope be in Christ alone, your cornerstone. And I pray that we begin to see ourselves the way that the Father does and that you would feel the heart of the Father today and you would just lean into his arms and his chest and embrace him. God bless, God's strength today, and we'll see you next week.